Welcome to episode 37 of Contested Catch. We're introducing two members of the Contested Catch team for the first time. And before we get into that, we've got our, our usual co-host, our usual data specialist, the usual suspect himself, always shirtless, Jeff Gould. Jeff, how are you, my friend? You know, I've got a bone to pick with you, Will. It's all spring leading up to the draft. You just kept calling me a Judy hater because I had Jalen Rigor as my wide receiver too. Just like undoubtedly, he was ahead of Judy for me. And all, you just told me I was a Judy hater. And that, that was your only rebuttal is I was a hater. But now that all July and into this early August, the only thing I see you tweeting about is how Jalen Rigor is going to absolutely blow up this year. And I haven't seen a peep out of you for Jerry Judy. So, I mean, you owe me an apology, Will, because you owe me an apology. That was just, you know, slander. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and now you've just completely taken it back. Okay. Okay. What you're leaving out of this part, Jeff, is that I thoroughly enjoyed Judy as a NFL draft prospect. Our conversations typically were him in a vacuum kind of thing as a prospect. You were bringing up some craziness about the way his knees bend and that might oh, be it's absolutely awful knee valgus you know what and, and that terrible kind of stuff, mechanics just, it, it really feels like uh you know you're grasping at straws there but with Regor, i will say this you were one of the first people to really bang the drum for Regor within my circle at least uh and also shout out matt petrella a friend and fan of the show um, who was all over Regor as well, he even had a, a DM back in February saying future Eagle Jalen Regor. But yeah, Jeff, so you were all over Jalen Regor as a prospect. But now we're talking about fantasy football. And at this point, opportunity is almost everything. Like CeeDee Lamb's by far and away my wide receiver one um, in, in um, NFL draft prospects for this wide receiver class. But, you know, he's third on the depth chart in Dallas, and I love him, but Jalen Regor to me is is far and away my rookie wide receiver one on fantasy. So I, I understand what you're saying, Jeff. We're not trying to give you a hard time here. Um, but yeah, Jared Judy is uh, in, in rookie wide receiver purgatory at the moment. <laughs> um, good stuff. So we got Jeff back again, as usual. Uh, we had a little bit of a layoff here. We're just trying to gear ourselves up for a big summer finale leading into what looks to be a fully full-fledged NFL season on our hands, which is fantastic. Um, but you know, to prep for season two here in Contested Catch, we're adding two members to the team, and they're both um, vocal young men uh, hailing from the same part of the world that we do. And, um, and yeah, so their names are Kyle Singer and, and, and Noah Rockoff. And if you guys recognize Kyle's last name, it's because his older brother, Brett, is a frequent guest on Contested Catch, uh, Backdoor Burt, as he's affectionately called by our fan base. And, um, and yeah, so I guess we'll start with you, Kyle. Uh, how are you? And, uh, you know, what have you been up to recently? I'm great, Will. First off, thanks for having me. Jeff, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I've been I've been grinding the statistics a little bit, listening to uh, some J.J. Zacharyson, Jeff's man. And, uh, you know, putting out my rankings now that the draft is out. And I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of the Contested Catch family. And I'm ready to build the brand. Love it. We got no rock off here as well. No, we played football together a little bit. Um, and some baseball uh, in the same area, and and now we're we're on the same team here. So, how have you been, and and what have you been up to recently? 
I've been doing great, man. Um, really came full circle at the end. Nice to talk some football with you as well. So, um, I mean, getting getting this podcast off uh, to a hot start with a CD Lamb love. Absolutely <laughs> love hearing that as a Cowboys fan. I uh, just got a, a job recently doing some medical sales, uh, doing some door dashing on the side and always studying football. So having a good time so far. That's awesome, man. I wish we could have uh, have you be our uh, insider medical guy. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be pretty useful, but we'll take a resident cowboy fan. Um, our friend Joe Aronson is going to have a problem with that title. Though. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> fine. I'm used to it. <laughs> you, no, no, he's a big cowboy guy. He wants oh, to be okay. the CC uh, cowboy guy. But um, anyway, that's good stuff. So uh, two new members. Uh, excited to have you both. Really think you guys are going to contribute a lot of valuable stuff, especially in the two domains that we really you know, are in on here, which is obviously fantasy football and the NFL draft. And so starting with you, Rock, um, you know, we're going to be talking a lot of NFL draft stuff as the season goes on skewing that towards the 2021 draft. Um, but, you know, we've got a couple of prospects we want to talk to you about today. And uh, the first one is a guy that, you know, Jeff and I both loved. We talked a lot about him in the pre-draft process, and that's Isaiah Simmons. Um, yeah, I mean, this guy was probably the most versatile player in the entire draft. Absolute freak athlete out of Clemson. Um, basically positionless, could have played anywhere on the field. And it looks like Arizona is going to be using him primarily as an inside linebacker to start, you know, what are your thoughts about Isaiah Simmons? Uh, obviously the eighth overall pick to Arizona. And then, um, you know, what do you think about him, his rookie impact despite this COVID shortened off season? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you don't uh, like about Isaiah Simmons. He's all over the defense 24 uh, seven. Some PFF stats that I pulled up, he played 106 snaps on the defensive line, 239 in the box, 256 in the slot cornerback seven as a wide cornerback and then 130 on the deep safety. So, I mean, he's all over the field all the time. He's a leader on that defense. I think it's going to transition so well um, into Arizona, who's already got some good leaders with uh, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker. Um, other than that, I mean, my scouting report on him, just a quick summary. I said he had long arms, makes it nearly impossible for O-linemen to engage. He's got fluid feet, quick play recognition. Uh, he allows his athleticism to disrupt plays. He's got a relentless motor uh, and also just a true student of the game. I mean, he was – I thought that the Panthers were going to grab him at the seven pick with uh, Keekley leaving, but he slid to eight, and I think Arizona is not going to complain about that one bit for the next four to who, – who knows how many more years. I think he's a great player, um, and I think they're going to be excited to have him. Yeah, man. Arizona absolutely crushed the draft. They were my number one ranked draft class for the second year in a row. Uh, we don't have to rehash that completely, but obviously that was driven by my love for Isaiah Simmons and what I perceive to be the best best value of the top 10. Um, so that's that's good stuff. Complete agreement with you on there, uh, on that prospect. And then another guy that we love here at Contessa Catch, even Jeff, you know, I'm, I'm a Gamecock fan, so this isn't that surprising for me, but even Jeff was all over this prospect. And I think we're all going to look uh, very, very right, as are you, Rock, because you're all over Brian Edwards. Yeah, that's my guy. I mean, leading into the draft, I had him as my wide receiver six. Um, this class was loaded with wide receivers, and it's to have him that high, even with the foot injury he had during the pre-draft process, it's pretty impressive. I mean, the kid's 6'3", 212 pounds, a crazy athlete. Um, if he's able to play in the slot this year for the Raiders, I think that's just money, especially for fantasy football uh, value. Um, looking at his prior, player profile, his breakout age was, um, what was it? 17.8, which is extremely young. That's a hundredth um, percentile. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's the, it's the youngest in the player. Yeah, I've never case, seen that before ever in my life. Um, put that in perspective. Julio Jones was nineteen point six, and he posted a thirty four percent domination factor, while uh, Brian Edwards had a forty eight point four. So I mean, anything above forty five, and you're in the elite range, and he just blew it out of the water. Um, he's extremely physical. He plays above the rim for jump ball situations. He's got elite long speed. I do want to see some better short area quickness on him, especially when he's transitioning to the NFL. Um, he also needs to work on not allowing the ball to get into his chest. Sometimes he does allow to travel too far and he'll drop it and he'll hit his uh, shoulder pads or whatnot. Um, but I mean, if he, again, if he plays in the slot year one, uh, it's going to be lights out for him. I'm super excited to watch him play. Yeah, man. Brian Edwards is an absolute stud. He uh, once Debo Samuel left, obviously Debo has gone on to bigger and better things being, you know, a focal point for the 49ers down the stretch and their Super Bowl run last year. Um, it, Brian Edwards took over that do everything role. And he even was, you know, for a man his size, you rarely see like a 6'3", 210 plus guy returning punts. And he was a punt returner. And that just shows uh, how versatile he is. He's really, really good uh, all over the field. He obviously carries all that spectacular catchability that you look for in a true wide receiver one. Um, and when you know when he got drafted by the Raiders, when I was doing my Raiders um, draft grade right up, one thing I said was, "Do not be surprised if Brian Edwards becomes the best wide receiver in this draft class for the Raiders." And I, that's obviously putting him over uh, Henry Ruggs if that became the case. So. Uh, I'm glad that we're on the same page there. He's an exciting player, and for fantasy purposes, um, he's been getting more and more sleeper appeal. Now, it is a—it's definitely a sleeper situation. It's not like um, you know, Jalen Ragor to me is is a slam dunk. Like I want him regardless of you know um, the format. And Brian Edwards is much more of a of a like bottom bottom barrel breakout type guy, um, just because there's so much opportunity in Las Vegas with the Raiders. But at the same time, you know, he's coming off this foot injury, shortened off season. Um, but Derek Carr did just say that he reminds him of Devontae Adams, which is a pretty pretty high praise there. Um, yeah. Now, Kyle, to bring you in here, what are your thoughts on Brian Edwards uh, as a fantasy guy? You know, towards the end of drafts. I'm not gonna lie. I was talking to Rock about this earlier, and Brian Edwards was not too big on my radar, um, especially in our ten man leagues. You know, ten man league is pretty shit. Yeah. Yeah, we're. I mean, yeah, we have an extra flex seventeen man roster, but. Edwards, not a guy I'm targeting in drafts, but I mean, I, as you know, uh, I'm not the the last. I'll correct myself if I'm wrong. So I hope he, I hope he shocks the role, but I know he's got some competition there. Personally, I mean, Henry Ruggs, they went after him and picked him as the first wide receiver off the board. And I think he'll get some usage in the slot. Um, Hunter Renfro still there. Tyrell Williams, they've got some some guys that are still going to demand the ball. Um, I mean, you don't have to worry about Josh Jacobs taking any anything on the receiving work, but we'll see. You know, I'd love to see him go off for you. I know he's a South Carolina alum, so got to see it. Yeah, I don't know. Got to see it to believe it for me. No, that's fair. I mean, uh, from a fantasy perspective, um, I mean, you can't even project you can't even project targets for him right now. I mean, there's no guarantee that he's a starter on week one. But I think the you know from the the draft profile perspective, Rock and I are on the same page as is Jeff that, you know, this is just a really, really good prospect, great profile. Um, you know, it may take a year because he's coming off this foot injury that he suffered training for the NFL draft, but I, I feel pretty strongly about him panning out eventually. Um, now to stick on fantasy football here, Kyle, uh, obviously what you're going to be doing with Contessa Catch is going to be focusing more on the fantasy football domain. 
which is quickly approaching in terms of uh, the season. So, um, you know, we got want to talk about a couple prospects here, but first, why don't you just talk a little bit about um, your process and um, and you know what you do in in terms of um, preparing your fantasy football content, what you're looking at, and what you're doing right now on Twitter. Yeah, so all good questions. Well, thank you. But the the number one thing is obviously just immerse yourself in the content. Um, I basically spend way too much time on fantasy football. Anyone who knows me knows that um, too much is relative. I still think I can spend more time. But, you know, whether it's ESPN or any podcast, uh, listening here to Contested Catch, JJ Zacharyson and the Late Round Pod, or now, luckily, the Fantasy Focus podcast is back up. Love that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing. I use a lot of websites, playerprofiler.com, to kind of build my statistical analysis on players and use that when I'm talking trade, which is my uh, my favorite thing to do. Now your league mates uh, know. But, <laughs> uh, oh, they know, they know. And, I mean, this year I started putting up my rankings online on Twitter. Um, for the contested catch. And if you guys don't know, you can follow me at CC underscore K Singh. Um, <laughs> build the brand right there. But yeah, basically I put up my rankings early and then I was like a little hesitant. I didn't have enough followers where I was like, all right, these guys can wait. Uh, I still got to build my, my draft strategy. Executed the draft to perfection. I'm very happy with my team. And then last night I just dropped my, uh, my top 50. So everyone can go take a look at that. Love to hear it. We're going we're gonna to be uh, recapping y'all's draft. And I'm excited to talk about that, about the format and uh, the teams that you guys got out of that 10-man league. Um, first, let's key in on a couple prospects here uh, from a fantasy football perspective. And that, that's going to start with Tevin Coleman. And I know that, Kyle, this is, this is your guy this year. You are all over Tevin Coleman. Um, you love him. You love his, his prospects here. And, you know, we've got some recent news and that's with Raheem Mostert getting, getting what he was asking for, which is a pretty modest request. Uh, he did say he wanted to get traded. His agent did if he didn't get uh, a contract, um, upping, I guess you could say, you know, he, he restructured his contract to give him a little bit more money this year in 2020, um, after carrying the team late down the stretch. So, you are unfazed by Raheem Mostert's presence there. You think Tevin Coleman is going to be the guy? Yeah, so Tevin Coleman is my ride or die this year, um, and I love it. I love having my name next to him. I haven't really heard of anyone that's overly high on him. I know uh, J.J. Zacharyson, when he did his breakout running backs pod, what, like maybe that might have been in May, he mentioned him briefly, and – I was like, oh, no, he's going to give away my guy. But he didn't go too in-depth, so I was all right with it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, first off, San Fran, run heaviest team in the NFL. They've got a killer offensive line. Jimmy Garoppolo, not throwing it all that much, um, especially now we'll see the health of Debo and when he's back. But, I mean, Tevin Coleman, he's a beast. I, he, he hasn't been as productive as I like to see, but we see those flashes every year. Um, I know this past year he had 37.8 fantasy points in week eight against the Panthers. And then in 2018, he had a 32.6 game. He's had some twenties in there. So you've seen kind of glimpse of what he can do and no map Rita this year. I, I think Moster is fine. Like he's a good back and it's a, it's a committee for now, but at current ADP Raheem Mostert, at least was way overvalued 
relative to Tevin Coleman. Um, and like you said earlier, I think we're in auction league now. So his dollar value is just dirt cheap compared to what people are paying for Raheem Mostert. And I think he's just flying way under the radar and he's going to break out this year. Yeah. I mean, he got, he got a high ankle sprain injury week one of 2019. And so a lot of people have been like, Tevin Coleman sucks, you know, he's, he's garbage Raheem Mostert show. No, first of all, this is, this is Kyle Shanahan's, you know, notorious for, for the sh- riding the, the hot Shanahan, as I call it on Twitter. Um, you know, he, it's a fickle beast. Tevin Coleman was the lead back for parts of 2019, and it wasn't really until the second half and the playoff run that Raheem Mostert really, really took over. And even then, let's look at the history here. Raheem Mostert is a career journeyman. Now he's got some good athletic uh, you know, a- aspects to him, and he's obviously in a fantastic situation. But we're not looking at like this crazy long-term uh, investment in this player. It's not like you know he was highly drafted or anything. He's really like an elite special teams player. Raheem Mostert is, and a, a very good running back in a great system. But I think Kyle Shanahan knows about how replaceable running backs are. And I think he kind of learned his lesson maybe with the Jarek McKinnon signing, who is also healthy, you might add. So really, I think this conversation is as much about Tevin Coleman, you know, potentially taking a share of, of a great rushing offense as it is backing off Raheem Mostert, period, just because, listen, this is not a – this is an ambiguous backfield. People want to make it seem like I – mean, Raheem Mostert, I think he eclipsed – 70% snap share one time last year. That's not good. I mean, he could be really efficient. And um, but at the same time, like Tevin Coleman still blew up in the divisional round last year as well. So I don't know, man. I think people have some recency bias, especially with Raheem Mostert. We saw what he did late in the playoffs. And I mean, he killed it. He balled out and all respect to him. He's 28 years old. And I don't think that he's gonna be able to maintain this. And yeah, he didn't have the best off season in terms of requesting a trade and getting that deal done. And Tevin Coleman's on the opposite side, him and Kyle Shanahan have built that rapport dating back to the time with the Falcons. And I just think this year will be Tevin Coleman's breakout year. I'm very, very much on board with him. And I think other people should be too. Yeah. In that divisional round, he had 105 yards and two touchdowns and 22 carries. So that's uh, bodes well for him still having some, you know, some pop in his legs. Um, now, now he's fully recovered from the high ankle sprain. But another guy we want to talk about here, Kyle, is Marquise Brown. And Hollywood Brown is obviously the number one wide receiver option for Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, who uh, you know people are probably starting to wake up to the fact that he's actually a capable passer of the ball as well. So it's pretty valuable to be the number one wide receiver, but he isn't the number one passing target. And that was far and away Mark Andrews last year. Now, the offseason narrative around Marquise Brown is that he now apparently has put on 23 pounds. He's up to 180 pounds. And he that's to put on 23 pounds and now be at 180 is saying a lot about how light he was. He was, um, he was like my weight, which is yeah. pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. I was going to say that, Jeff, but I didn't want to throw you throw you right under the bus there. But yeah, no, he you're was also- playing at the same weight as the kid who's shuffling papers at the Federal Reserve. <laughs> but this guy. Money and, and, you know, go it does go. It does go that way. Exactly. Uh, Marquise Brown, he, you know, he had a screw in his foot, um, the Liz Frank injury, and that, that was actually slowing him down despite him still being one of the fastest players in the league probably last year. He just couldn't fully let it loose. So now he's got 23 pounds. He's got a healthy foot. Um, it seems like wheels up on Marquise Brown to me. I don't know. I mean, Kyle, I know you're a big fan of his. Uh, you know, is this someone that you're heavily targeting in fantasy drafts this year? Yeah, so Marquise Brown, definitely one of my top 
sleeper wide receivers, I guess you could say. Um, he is a sleeper. I think I think I had him ranked in my – he was definitely in my top 50. Uh, I'm very high on him. He's a guy, unfortunately, I didn't have the budget for late in the draft. Um, so I didn't get him, but I've been trying to trade for him. But after this podcast, there's just no chance I'm getting him because uh, I'm about to talk him up pretty big right now. I don't want to be stepping on Jeff's toes right here, but I want to start with Lamar Jackson and all that he does for that offense. So basically, Lamar Jackson's rushing, it's going to regress from last season in terms of when you're looking at quarters one, two, and three and just how efficient he was. But people forget he was taken out in the fourth quarter quite frequently. They were blowing teams out and they would they would pull him. Marquise Brown was sitting around a 50% snap share. I mean, like this is incredibly low. I think it was exactly 59%, which is way too low. They didn't need him late in games. They were blowing teams out. And he's so explosive, not to mention he is bloodline of Antonio Brown, who all insanity aside is probably the greatest receiver in my generation that I've ever seen play. Maybe Calvin Johnson, but I love Antonio Brown. Um, So yeah, related to that, that's incredible. But even with his 59% snap share from last year, he was still set targeted 71 times in 14 games. And one of the cool stats that I found out was his red zone targets. So he actually had 14 red zone targets. And keep in mind, he only played 59% of the snaps in a total of 14 games. But over this to- over the entire season last year, Odell had 12, so two less. Calvin Ridley, 10. Amari Cooper, 9. Robert Woods, 8. So he blew all those guys out of the water in just red zone targets. And we're not thinking of Marquise Brown as like that tall red zone target. He's that deep threat guy. So now he can do both. And with the mixture of teams kind of seeing how Lamar Jackson's running and and being able to stop that, it's going to open up that deep ball for Marquise Brown. And I just think the sky's the limit with him this year. Yeah. Very excited about him as a, as a fantasy prospect. I think that the, the hype that I was, you know, seeing and feeling for him has faded a little bit, not not personally in, in my own view, but um, there was a lot of early, you know, when people were talking about how he's finally healthy, it's really like wheels up for him with this, you know, his foot is finally back. Um, it feels like people are kind of sleeping on him a little bit. You know, there's a lot of guys that are just consistently ahead of him. And in many cases, rightfully so, we're talking like Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark, AJ Brown. These are all guys in the same kind of tier. And most, most people have Marquise Brown at the end of that tier. Um, I think, Going into next season, we might be talking about Marquise Brown as like a like a Tyreek Hill light version, um, where you know any single week he could be winning your league, but you also think he's a pretty safe bet for like maybe sixty catches, seventy yards, and a touchdown, something like that. Um, that's good stuff. So I want to move on to um, to y'all's league now. Uh, so so this league it has a similar format to what or the exact same format uh, as Jeff and I's home league. And uh, just to give our listeners a refresher on that, it's basically a $200 budget auction. Uh, we have 12 teams. You guys have 10. That's the main difference. After that, it's all basically the same. Um, what we wanted to do is create a, uh, a format that gave us some continuity without going all the way to Dynasty and at the same time didn't um, reward teams too heavily for getting, you know, for basically, you know, you draft a, a running back and then you know, he turns into a great player and then you have him for ridiculously cheap that dominates everyone else's value. 
Um, for instance, I got James Conner for $2 in our first draft and uh, in this format, and he's still the best value we'll probably see as an RB1, um, but we also have an inflation standard. So uh, I have Austin Eckler for like the same price, Will. You don't have him for the same price. Only $3 You didn't more? get him for $5? No, I mean this year, though. Well, okay, yes, but I'm saying the 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 three year arc of James Conner's value was two dollars. Okay, and then fair. so yeah, because I and that's all because I was not to keep Kamara for like the free that I got like draft. You did. It was before. a 16th round pick with Kamara. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, you draft a player for their for their auction value. The next year, if you keep them, um, you you add five dollars to their to uh, to inflate their cost. So. James Conner would go from $2 to $7. And then if you keep them for a second year in a row, you add $10 to their cost. So then he'd go up to 17 and then you cannot keep them for a third consecutive year. So what Jeff's saying is he's keeping uh, Austin Eckler for $20 this year. And James Conner is being kept for the, um, the second year uh, for 17. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. He might not be, but uh, that's, that's at least what he would go for. So anyways, this is the format. Uh, we're half PPR league. Um, you guys are a full PPR and, other than that, I mean, I think everyone else pretty. I mean, you, you guys have you guys have uh, an extra flex, which is awesome. Um, I do I do love flexes there. But um, why don't we start with you, Noah? What did you uh, you know? What was your thought process on going into the draft, and how do you think that played out? And you know, what what did your team look like? All right. Well, I mean, Kyle will tell you. I did not want to do an auction draft. It was about a month battle. It was Kyle versus me. And whoa, who whoa, could whoa, side whoa, whoa, whoa. with me? <laughs> it was it was much more than Kyle versus Noah. It was it was nine <laughs> on one. Everyone was in, and Noah was Noah starts a group chat, and he's like, "We're the Snake Squad," and he's getting everyone. And these guys are like, "Ah, oh, I don't really care. Like, I just don't want to change." And Noah's like, "We're not doing it, Snakes for life." <laughs> like, it was it was serious. <laughs> It was it, it was quite the uh, fiasco in our league, but I mean, yeah, I didn't want it at first. I am super glad now that we did end up switching to auction. It rewards um, just so much of the strategy that goes into it. Like if you're if you're paying attention to values, if you're paying attention to um, contract situations, um, you're gonna do well in the draft, especially with keepers like what we're doing. Um, more towards like what I wanted to do in the draft, I wanted to go wide receiver heavy. I did that. I was able to do that with a couple of studs that I was super excited about. Um, I drafted Allen Robinson for $27, DJ Moore for $28, Terry McLaurin for $15, and then Cooper Cup for $21. So I got four of the, wider, the respective wide receiver ones for their teams. And I was able to um, pull out Joe Mixon for 42. And with Joe Mixon, Mixon, not a lot of people were too high on him in our league. And I was so excited to be able to get him as my running back one. I think with the addition of, or the return of AJ Green and the return of Jonah Williams, I think that the sky's the limit for him. He's going to get more receptions out of the backfield. He's going to be more efficient. They're not going to be down points throughout the entire game. They're not going to abandon the run game so early. Um, so I'm super excited about getting him. And also for my quarterback, I got Dak Prescott. I had to get a cowboy in there some way. So I got Dak Prescott for $7. I think that he could finish above Mahomes this year. That's my hot take. Not many people agree with that. I don't think anyone really agrees with me with that one. But with this offense, with Mike McCarthy leading the squad, um, super excited to see what he does, especially in the red zone. I think that um, – the last time Mike McCarthy was head coach for a team, 
he was he passed the ball in the red zone second most in league only behind Adam Gase who is a terrible head coach but Mike Mike McCarthy's way more respected um and last year I was able to get George Kittle and he's been my favorite tight end in the league ever since he came out of Iowa he can do it all he can block he can catch the ball and he's a leader on the team so all in all I love my team this year um it's super deep throughout the starting lineup and in the bench I got some great value and I'm really excited to see how the season turns out Good stuff, man. I think you've really got some great values there, especially A-Rob for 27. I mean, he's just being slept on when, when we're talking about a guy who could approach like wide receiver five territory. Exactly. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited about, about that value. And then also Terry McLaurin for 15. That's great. Uh, but there's, you know, the the running back two situation is something I, I'm totally on board with with Joe Mixon for 42. I think that's a fantastic value. Um I know you're you're kind of reliant on a guy that I was heavily invested in last year to Jeff Chagrin, uh, David Montgomery. And so yeah, talk I, to us about that situation and who's kind of, you know, your, your backup plan. Yeah, so David Montgomery is my running back too. I get a lot of flack for this in the league. Um, people think that that might be the worst running back two in the entire league, and I couldn't disagree more. I mean, everything that possibly could have gone wrong for him Last year went wrong. I mean, he couldn't find the end zone, although he was getting a huge volume of shares in the end zone. Um, the offensive line situation wasn't great. He's got Mitch Trubisky. Now he's got Nick Foles. I'm going to see one more year in the weight room in the NFL, see if he can get a little bit stronger. Um, and hopefully they can they can uh, plan some plays for him and not just for Tree Cohen out of the backfield because I want to see him get more receptions, especially in a PPR league. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe I was listening to last year's podcast of you on David Montgomery, but I mean, I, I'm still high on him this year and I'm ready to prove a lot of people wrong on him. Yeah, man. I mean, Dave Montgomery, I think is a really enticing, um, uh, fantasy prospect. And the reason is he's just, he's a tackle breaker. He's got definitely underrated hands and he can, he, you know, he has the ability to carry the load. And I think, I think the Chicago team really wants to do that with him. The, the question is, will they stop using Tariq Cohen like this little scat back out of the backfield? Because guess what? He was the least efficient player in the league last year. And I think if we see David Montgomery approach the target volume that I'm hopeful that he gets, um, then I think, you know, I think you're in a good spot there. But you also got J.K. Dobbins behind him, right? Yeah, I got J.K. Dobbins for a great value at $6. I mean, for a keeper league, if I'm able to have him for $11 next year, um, I can do a lot of things with my lineup during the draft. Um, if Mark Ingram, if Mark Ingram doesn't play to his full potential, I think they're just going to start throwing JK in more and more. Um, he can catch catch it out of the backfield. He can break tackles. He's elusive. He has an incredible vision. Um, I'm super excited to see, especially with the Ravens offense, how much they run the ball, what they can do with him um, in all aspects of the game. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I think uh, you could be looking at, um, your RB two averaging like five and a half yards per carry with 10 plus TD upside as a rookie who's, who costs you $6 and you could be keeping him for 11 and then $21 the next year. So that's a, that's a great, great value. I was very excited to hear that you got him for so cheap. Um, that's good stuff. I just got to toss this in real quick. Uh, David Montgomery had like a complete, a paltry 0.77 yards per route run last year, <laughs> which among players with above 30 targets, which is a pretty low bar, but you know, had to actually fit him into the sample size because he had so few is 
oh, it's below, it's below Jeremy Sprinkle, Keyshawn Johnson, right above Deshaun Hamilton, John Mo Allison. So, you know, just got to toss that in there. <laughs> That's a quality back. New year. It's a, it new, is a year. new year. It is a new year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Chicago running backs just underperformed about as much as you possibly could 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 ask for. Um, and yeah, I mean, hope you know the hope is that the volume translates to points. I think he he showed a ceiling last year, um, but he didn't even get nearly the the receiving volume that I think we hope to get this year. Um, Kyle, what was your hope going into the draft? Who were you targeting? Um, what would you would you come away with? So I do want to touch on one thing that you guys are bringing up before we go that way. And that is back to, uh, to rocks team. So let's keep in mind, our league is a 10 man, uh, 10 man league. So I did see Jeff's face when he saw the price of Allen Robinson and he was, it was sheer disappointment. Um, but Jeff, don't worry. I tried to get him. I had no money. You'll see why I was very upset with my league. I think Allen Robinson at 27 is a steal. I had him for, I think, 35 budgeted, and I just didn't have any money. Um, and the second thing, I, Rock said David Montgomery is not the worst RB2 in our league. That is simply not true. It is <laughs> clear cut. It is the worst. Like The next worst is like Chris Carson maybe. And then it's it's good. We're a 10-man league. People have good Well, I just also like Montgomery's going to be his RB3 by like week four. Yeah, so. Dobbins, you think? Yeah. 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 Dobbins is going to like break off like a big run in each of the first few games. And then it's just going to be the JK show. Yeah, Dobbins has some potential. But I just don't see the uh, the Ravens just getting rid of Mark Ingram. He's just like, he's a leader on that team. Um, that's really the only, I don't have a knock on JK Dobbins. It's just, I don't see them not using Mark Ingram, especially around the goal line. I don't think Dobbins is going to be in the end zone all that much this year. Um, but the the main reason why we were kind of laughing at Rock is because, let's keep in mind, he has Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. And this is a 10-man league. Like, we're laughing at the fact that he's got two Bears. If you've got, you know, two Chiefs, two Saints, like, that's fine. But two Bears, that's why we laugh. Um, but his team's disgusting. He's probably got the best wideouts in, in the league and in a PPR format, you know, never a bad choice. I'd, I'm worried about him this year. Um, but so yeah, my, my strategy going in, uh, it got busted up immediately. <laughs> uh, I was, you know, a lot of people are like talking about the zero RB strategy and that is not for me. I am the two RB strategy. And wait on these wideouts because I just see so much value late. So I think I had budgeted. Let's see, I got it up here. I had budgeted for eighteen dollars as my top wideout, and then eleven for my second wideout. Um, the second auction goes up. Michael Thomas. I bid at him at fifty-three dollars, a steal, and silence. No one bids, and I'm looking around like. There's no way. Like, there's no way I'm actually about to get this. And my whole draft strategy is blown up after the first auction or the second auction. And of course, I get Michael Thomas for 53 bucks. And initially I was pissed. I was like, this just ruined my strategy. I have no idea what to do. Um, kind of freaked out a little bit, but slowly I calmed down and realized, wow, I just got the number one wide receiver for $53. And to put it into perspective, Tyreek Hill went for 52. So I paid one more dollar for Michael Thomas. Like that's an absolute steal. Um, but anyway, 
we move on and I grabbed three players within the first 10 players auctioned. I went Michael Thomas and then Zeke goes up and I needed I needed an RB1. There was only two left in my opinion and that was Zeke and Kamara and my plan was to get my plan was to get Kamara and Dalvin, but Zeke was up and I bid. I ended up getting him for $64. So I started off with Zeke and Michael Thomas. And then I think the exact next uh, auction was Alvin Kamara and I won him again at 54. So I started off with Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara. And I was sitting there with like maybe $19 max bid. And I'm like, all right, great. The rest of my team is going to be trash. So that's why I couldn't bid on all these value guys and there were steals. But um, from there, I was like, I need to save my money. These kids, this was our first year doing it. And people, you know, I knew people were just going to spend because they were seeing people spend like me. So I saved my money. I, I eventually had the highest max bid at $9. And there were two wideouts left that were that I deemed like legit wide receiver twos, high upside wide receiver twos. And that was Robert Woods and Tyler Lockett. And I, I wanted Woods at first, but he went up and someone else had someone else had more money than me. Got him. Uh, and then I'm sitting there. Tyler Lockett is left. I have the highest max bid. And I'm like, I just got Tyler Lockett for nine dollars. So that was an absolute steal. Um, I got Tevin Coleman for three. You guys know I love him. I, I just feel like my team is poised for big things. I'm very excited about it. My strategy ended up working out. And in fact, I got lucky with also just getting Michael Thomas. Uh, so yeah, I was I was loving the the draft, the auction draft, and 10 out of 10 recommend. That's awesome. Uh, there's nobody there's nobody who loved you bidding up high players more than myself. Because the pre-draft process, Kyle called me constantly saying, oh, I love Allen Robinson. I love Joe Mixon. Um, and he's like, I'm going to bid you up on him so bad, you're never going to get either of them. So right when he started bidding up these, these wide receiver ones, I was just so happy. I was just waiting on these players, and I knew he couldn't touch them. So it was great. It was, it was an awesome time. <laughs> Well, Kyle, I think you learned a valuable lesson with auction, which is that um, never bid unless you're okay with winning the bid. I think uh, we see this in in our league sometimes, but I think it's just a common thing is that people say, "Oh, my sheet says," or you know, not not to shit on you, but by any means, but some people, uh, Ronnie, yes, yeah, so some people will be like, "Well, no, this guy's worth this much, and he's going for this right now," and then he'll bid, and then th the whole thing is that. You know all the prep that you want. At the end of the day, you're bidding with uh, you know nine or ten or or eleven other people um, that you're that you're in a league with. So the the market is set by the league, and I think you know fifty three dollars for for Michael Thomas when Tyreek goes for fifty two is a great value, like you said. Um, one thing I I noticed was um, you guys had some supreme values in your league. Like personally, I would take Allen Robinson for twenty seven and Terry McLaurin for fifteen over Michael Thomas for 53 and then you have the time left over. Um, I think I did that math right. Um, so, but the other thing was Kyle, your, um, your strategy essentially amounted to studs and scrubs approach, which is, uh, to say you basically blew your load on three or four players and then filled in the rest with, with cheap guys. And that is a pretty common approach to auction drafts. And I think it works pretty well. And the nice thing is if you were to try to do that in a snake draft, you would be needing to, you know, 
basically parlay like sixth and seventh round picks up until like a third round pick and then keep going. You'd have to consolidate all your draft capital. You wouldn't even be able to fill out a team. But that's a nice thing about auction is that then you can fill in these one one and two dollar players down the road. So I actually like both of your teams a lot. I think um, I think you guys both did a good job, especially you know being a new format for you guys and for your league as a whole. Um, the nice thing is that what what this format really does for you with this little keeper element and the inflation is that you can think a year or two ahead, especially for guys like like me and you Noah who you know love the fan, the NFL draft and are thinking about these players as like multi year prospects. Um, you know, to have like a guy like J.K. Dobbins for for six bucks and then eleven dollars the next year is fantastic. And then, uh, but at the same time, when people put more money into, you're going to see this will become an inflated part of your league, where certain players that have you know year two or year three appeal are going to go for more in year one in that draft. And then someone like Kyle, who is more focused on winning this year uh, and less about building like a dynasty type situation is going to be able to get a Michael Thomas for 53 or something like that. So it goes both ways. And really, it's just about reading the room and um, and being flexible to, to what's being valued in the draft. So glad you guys enjoyed it. Did uh, did the rest of your league mates uh, have a good time? Yeah, the league loved it. We did a nice little, well, COVID kind of played a role. So we didn't, we, we normally obviously do an in-person draft. Uh, not everyone was able to make it, but yeah, I think we had eight, eight, seven or eight members. And it was, it was incredible. Um, and then the zoom went well, honestly, we, we made it work. We had an auctioneer who's now a co-owner, uh, of our league, Jacob Kalish. And, uh, yeah, it worked out well. Everyone loved it, but I, I do want to touch on one thing you said, uh, studs and, and duds approach. And I feel like this is going to devalue our league when we say it rock, but like, I just need to point this out. Um, Dylan Piaselli, great member of the league, love him. He's uh, he's he was our first sacko ever. Um, we egged him. We do a sacko punishment in our league. He wanted the physical egging, and a little bit of blood was drawn. It was great. But anyway, <laughs> this year he's like, I'm going kamikaze. I'm getting my guys, and he got Saquon and Christian McCaffrey. Wow. So he spent up. But he actually kind of got them a value. He spent 70 on McCaffrey and 66 on Saquon. So like not horribly overpriced at all. In fact, probably pretty fair. Um, but then he spent 15. He put up Tyler Boyd for $15. Oh, no. And, and like people looked around, like it wasn't even a, like a consideration of bidding. And he had, he had already gotten AJ Brown for 22. So he spent a lot of money on four players. And his wide receiver three or his flex one or two right now is, and I kid you not, Antonio Gandy Golden. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so bad. Like, oh, I th- our waiver wire is so much better than that. It's incredible. Yeah, that's actually hilarious. Um, but, you know, there is something because this is the thing. The, the reason you do the studs and duds approach is because you're basically saying, you know, we're, none of these guys are going to hit or, you know, the, the, the difference between a guy and waivers is, uh, you know, approaching week one or week two is not that big as, you know, uh, a, a four or five dollar guy in the draft. So why not just allocate all those four or five dollar guys into one more stud? And then you fill out the rest of your lineup with a bunch of high upside guys. Hopefully a couple of them pan out. Um, Jeff, I want to bring you in here and I want you to get your take on. Uh, which of these two teams, 
you know, you like better. I have a feeling I already know because of some of the players on there, but I'm just curious, you know, based on if you could grade uh, Kyle and Rock's uh, first auction drafts here. Oh, man. Um, hey, who, Rock, who are all your receivers again? Uh, so my receivers went Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, and then I also have CD Lamb, Marvin Jones, and Paris Campbell on the bench. Damn, that is such fire. a good stable of receivers. Yeah, yeah it's fire. Um, and, they, and you can start four, right? Yep. Yeah. And it's full PPR. Like, I kind of got to go with that. Plus, you got Dak. I love Dak. <laughs> love it. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, I mean, then you just, like, you got your bell cow and mix in, and then you can just, like, you know, figure out RB2 on the go. Like, you'll probably be able to pick up somebody who's going to be, like, a COVID replacement before half the games anyway. So, who cares about RB2? <laughs> thank you jeff i'm glad one person <laughs> at least understands i am so excited to just oh my gosh I love jeff, I, i'm actually shocked oh, or like i mean like how many cte points has mark <laughs> up over the years like he's got to be like just a couple games away from like just accumulating a cte total that's gonna like propel dobbins into starting role for a game or two and then like it's just wheels up for those games so i mean like, I don't know. I, like, I love my running backs, uh, but also, like, when you're full PPR and you can start four receivers, like, and you got RB1 locked down, then, yeah, RB2, you can just, you know, play by committee for the most part. Maybe you pick up a guy that you, like, uh, you just find someone who's a starter. But, like, I like Kyle. I like your team, too. Like, don't get me wrong, but, you know, just given the format and everything, like, Allen Robinson and DJ Moore, like, ballers. Um, and don't forget yeah, uh, George Kittle. Oh, yeah, and George Kittle is, like, the best player, best non-quarterback in the NFL. So, right, behind Aaron Donald. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, like, a solid, well-rounded uh, team. Yeah, I, I, I knew that Jeff was going to go that way. There's just there's just too much, uh, too many boxes of, of that Jeff looks for a check there. But, you know, it's fair. <laughs> I think I really do think you have a great team, Rock. But, you know, t- but at the same time, Kyle, like, this is the thing, man. You have the certainty of three legitimate, you know, top players at their position at the two most important positions but i don't think you actually touched on the other um the other parts of your roster you know who's your quarterback and i think you had two good tight ends right yeah so i've since made i'm a trader that's all i care about <laughs> so i think i've already made two trades um about uh, like brother like uh, <laughs> exactly i mean brad and i is, do you have do you have the same like uh strategy as brett just incessant texting until they finally give in yeah yes. yeah you know honestly i think we're twins like Wow. People say we're twins. I don't like, it's not like we're like, Oh, like we're going to trade exactly like this. It just ends up happening. And who knows? We might just be born with that type of trading ability. People don't want to trade with me and they don't, but like when you offer so many trades, eventually someone's <laughs> going to like them and that's what it comes down to. But I have a new quarterback. So I, dra- I drafted Tom Brady and Cam Newton, but Right now, I have Russell. Do you want to talk about the draft or my current team? Because that's well, no, you, you know, you traded, uh, you know, a week after. So yeah, you know. um, so right now I've got Russell Wilson, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. Um, I've got the stack with Tyler Lockett. My tight ends. I've got uh, two. I mean, I normally have Kelsey, and that's normally my guy. But I didn't have money. I went with two of my sleeper guys, uh, Mike Kosecki. And Noah Fant, I think both of them have high for a dollar each, right? Yeah. Oh, dirt. Yeah, I got yeah, that's fire. Yeah. That's absolute fire. So uh, I got them. I have AJ Green. He's got some high upside if he can stay healthy. Rookie quarterback, gonna look for you know the vet. And my guy Tevin Coleman, I love. 
I've got Sony Michelle, Boston Scott. Ew. Ew. What's that? Sony Michelle? You can't just drop a dollar. Ass right now. A dollar. <laughs> For a dollar, fine, but don't tout that. <laughs> that's oh, like a, that's like you yeah, plug I mean, your nose in like ugh. I'll take Sony Michelle this year. I'll I'll be the, I mean, I'm the only one that's on him. Even my Patriots fans, friends or fans in air quotes, you know. Uh, can't wait till he's like on the you gotta put him on, on Oh, I already put him on my season. IR spot. Like, I need him there. He's there right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I drop him, I right, drop so him. Damian, but, like Damian Harris would be like the starter. And K- Kyle's main trade um trading strategy is he'll go for like a top guy on your team, say like Allen Robinson for me or Joe Mixon, and his text will go like, "Yo, I, I want Joe Mixon, so I'll give you AJ Green and parts." And so you just sit there, like, what is <laughs> parts? Is Yo, I have text messages. Um. You're like what? What does parts mean? And you're you're thinking like, who does he have on his bench? And that's who it is: Boston Scott and Sony Michelle. And like, <laughs> there's just no way I want these guys for Allen Robinson. But he like give him credit. He does pull off these trades every single year. Last year, he pretty much got Delvin Cook for Tony Pollard. So I'm not gonna bash him too much. Oh, come so on. I, yeah, oh, come on, don't even don't put my name out like that. I traded Joe Mixon was ranked higher, and I traded away Joe Mixon. And Tony Pollard, who was, you know, Zeke was threatening to hold out and I sold that pretty well, but I actually thought he was going to hold out, but I sold them for a lower Dalvin Cook and Mike Evans. So, oh my God, <laughs> that's <laughs> absurd. Well, uh, that you know, is like, is Ronnie in your league too? Like what is You, know, you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> we have a guy starting Antonio Gandy Golden. So that kind of, that explains what's going on, but we're still, you know, well, you, we're still legit. That's uh, that's the beauty of fantasy is that you know, while that seems very lopsided to all of us, uh, you know, if Zeke had held out and Mike Evans gets hurt or something, that looks like the the trade of the year for 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 the other owners. Or so. if Mixon played how he was supposed to, and Dalvin didn't play as well as he did, which was a shock, it looks like a lot better than what you know what I'm called now. Well. That's uh, I'm I'm glad to hear you guys had fun with that with that draft format. You know, if any of our listeners want to get a little bit of a better idea of of uh, the breakdown of that, we're happy to provide it uh, at some point. And so, yeah, so this is uh, it's it's good to have you guys aboard, though. Seriously, I'm very excited about your contributions. Obviously, we've got some big things in store uh, in in the the pipeline right now, and excited to have you both contributing in that capacity. Um, no, obviously, you know, we're gonna circle back with you as we get towards the NFL draft. You know, we already mentioned that you're a a Cowboys fan, but I know that you've done some uh, some contributing of your own elsewhere as well. So you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So I also contribute to another uh, Twitter page called NFL Draft Lounge. Uh, pretty small page, but I do do some work for them. Uh, I've written a couple articles about the Cowboys draft. Um, I mean, I've been I've been seriously uh, scouting players for about four years now. I was thinking about uh, thinking back like when I really first started caring about the draft, and it was ever since Mark Barron entered the league, I always wanted the Cowboys to get him in 2009 and we got mm-hmm. Tyron Smith instead. And I was, I was worked wrong. Out. wrong. I, yeah. It worked out great. Right. So, I mean, that really like, that really like was the the pinnacle of my, um, or the start of my career for draft analysis. And, uh, ever since then I've been full go. I started around January, not January. I started around December, really watching film, putting together my big board, uh, getting some mock drafts going. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really my love, um, in terms of football. I love it, man. You know, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's definitely a passion of mine. You know, 
the NFL draft is just like captivating because it's it's that you know the certain parts of the fantasy of fantasy football where you can imagine the different scenarios and how things are going to play out. And then you get to see that and, and, you know, you don't, it's not as actionable. I guess you could make some prop bets. Um, but um, Jeff and I had a ton of fun previewing the NFL draft this year. I thought we had some really good content. And so looking forward to doing that with you uh, going forward with the 2021 draft. Um, and Kyle, obviously, you know, we're going to have, have you on uh, very frequently as well as we talk about, you know, fantasy football season kicking into gear here. Um, excited to see your rankings go up on Twitter now that you feel free to release them without getting sniped in your home league draft. Um, but, but yeah, man, what's, what's next in the pipeline for you? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if the listeners know yet, but I'll be working on the, the rock score, the receiver opportunity composite score. Uh, I'm a company man, you know how it goes, but, (laughs) uh, yeah. So basically just an incredible tool. Take a look if you guys haven't yet uh jeff's been killing it putting it together coding it and uh will and i will be talking about this probably it sounds like weekly when the season starts and uh i think i've got i got some top five buys and sells for using the the uh, receiver opportunity composite score that should be coming out soon we're tweaking that now um but yeah and i'm hoping that you guys can have that uh that draft stuff i know Penn State announced today, no fans. Uh, so that's killer. Micah Parsons opted out. So yeah. that's tough. I'm hoping, obviously, we need some college football too. Yeah, good stuff, man. Well, you know, we're hoping that this NFL season keeps going and that we'll get at least a little bit of college football. Um, but either way, you know, the show goes on. We're going to have a lot to talk about regardless because uh, this this business just keeps rolling. So um, good stuff. Jeff, any final thoughts here for our fellows? Um uh, no, I just think it's hilarious that like we've seen puff pieces on about every single wide receiver drafted on day one or two so far, except for Van Jefferson. That draft pick by the Rams is hilariously bad. Like I've you've seen for every receiver drafted on day one or two, except for him. And like I, I don't know, just because we've we're we laughed at that pick when it was made and we're like so down on him as a prospect and still haven't heard like a peep about him. You're hundred percent right. It's <laughs> It's such a deep cut. Like it wasn't like we had been like kind of like sniffing around the Van Jefferson hate or anything like that. Or like he kind of the Rams kind of came up just like, by the way, fuck Van Jefferson. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm uh I'm with you though. I think the the puff pieces for round one wide receivers especially are um are in full gear. I mean, we saw Field Yates say Justin Jefferson is the most primed rookie wide receiver for for year one success. Obviously, we've got you know Noah talking about CD Lamb. I'm all over Jalen Regor, as is Jeff. Henry Ruggs is a is a you know popular one to, to bring up too because he's the one that makes most sense for a year one target share. But yeah, Van Jefferson uh, as a as a day one or two guy <laughs> gets zero love. <laughs> so yeah, well well uh, well said, Jeff. Good stuff, boys. Okay, so we've got uh, two new additions to the contested catch team. Excited to have you both. Wait, are, are we going to be doing XFL content next year? Oh man, I hope. I hope we'll have some content Please. to do. I mean, we got yeah, the I, rock. I already got the lineup generator made for it. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to the rock, Jeff. and he said he's going to be a guest host here, or a contributor to the Contested All Catch right. podcast. So wait on that. That's good stuff. Go. That's good. He's going to buy the rock score. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, Jeff and I went to our uh, to our one DC Defenders game together. So that was fun, and uh, hopefully it'll come back again. Yeah, you told me my dog was going to die, you asshole. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's out of context. 
every dog every dog has to stay you're like you're like dude she's gonna die Damn, soon. she's gonna die soon you don't want to do that well. how old is she don't want to do that she's 14 14 dude she's a lab right or <laughs> she's a golden retriever dude yeah. that's old let's uh, should i google the expe- life expectancy that dog is frank gore <laughs> like yeah yeah pretty dude, much Jeff's- she's still running around with the puppies you should that actually you should rename her to, to, to <laughs> I, I was Gore thinking about that earlier today. Like she's gonna be like it'll be like five years from now, still be calling Will an asshole for that, and she's just still gonna be like <laughs> hopping around the yard. On her Hall of Fame pace, still getting 200 <laughs> carries a year. <laughs> yeah, like volume stats. Exactly. Good stuff. Okay. Well, boys, glad to have you all uh join us for the first time ever and uh looking forward to see what we come up with. And thank you all for listening. You know, hope you guys are excited to engage with our, uh, our our new team members here. Noah, we didn't plug your Twitter yet. What's your Twitter? Oh, it's at nrock70, N-R-O-C-K-70. Okay, and we already got CC underscore K-Sing with Kyle. Obviously, you know, Jeff at Buff Bill Stats, 1F. And you know me at Contessa Catch on Twitter. So hope you guys enjoyed. We're going to be pumping out some good content here before the start of the season and then all year long through the NFL draft. And then we started all over again. So if you guys want to see anything or hear anything in particular, you know where to find us on Twitter. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll hope to catch you next time.